like the third generation big leaguer who strikes out too much, doesn't walk, and has a bit of pop. I think he the Blue Jays just sign him for life. You know, I, I talked to J.P. Ricciardi earlier today uh, just about how he went about getting A.J. Burnett and B.J. Ryan. And, the- and we'll continue to do that. There remains opportunity out there. And twirling, twirling. <laughs> <laughs> twirling towards freedom. <laughs> And welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 161, where we're in the middle of an off-season as exciting as watching artificial turf grow. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined uh, perpetually by Joshua Housem. Josh, how you doing? It sounds, (laughs) perpetually sounds horrible, but (laughs) I'm good, thanks. Well, every time I dial you, you're there, so it's it's perpetual as far as I'm concerned. Um, As far as the podcast is concerned. Yeah, this has been a thrilling two-week period wherein the non-tender deadline passed, so we can mention the names of Derek Law, Luke Maley, Jason Adam, Brandon Drury, and we're going to do a super surprise and possibly mention the name of some person, some other team is cut loose because, uh, I don't know, maybe the Jays should go after them. We did have a big free agent contract signed, not by a Blue Jay, Uh, that would be Zach Wheeler. And uh, then, you know, in general, we've heard some things about how the, the Jays are going to be approaching free agency as, as a few names go off the board. We'll get into that. And a couple people left the Jays front office. We have, of course, your questions. We have an interview with uh, Shai Davidi. Uh, we're going to tee up the winter meetings where something exciting might happen. And then we have a do-over for a member of the Blue Jays front office who probably has a small shelf of do-over awards somewhere. All right, we shall we shall launch with non-tenders. Which you know what? I don't know how to say that in an exciting way. Uh, there, there was a funny joke from I think it was it was baseball or at baller that like chicken wings are non-tenders. I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> the only good kind of non-tender. <laughs> Uh, so we said goodbye to some people who probably won't be missed. That's why they were not tendered a contract and are were not, uh, you know, ready for free agency from the six-year standpoint. So Derek Law. Derek Law was swapped from the Giants to the Blue Jays in the Kevin Pillar trade, a day that will live in infamy in some people's minds, I'm sure, and did what really when he came over here? Well, actually, first stretch there, he was probably the Jays' best non-Ken Giles reliever. He was closing out games a bit when Giles was hurt, and you know his overall numbers are fine. They're not. I mean, they're not very good. But he had he had a very long stretch where he was very good. But you know, he's a fungible right-handed reliever. I mean, if you get him in, you know, that six-week stretch where he gave up zero runs in fourteen appearances great <laughs> that's not, you know that's not what he is and you know he doesn't throw a ton of strikes so, so I, I mean if we're going to get to this again with another guy but i think the jays like they have roster spots that they need to clear up and rather than tender him a contract and all of a sudden you owe him money when it comes to arbitration if he's a guy that you expect is going to be on your first cut list when you sign a free agent just cut him now and then that's what happened here hmm uh, yeah, very much. You you need to be pretty remarkable if you're right-handed and you're only good in relief, right? And they're sadly, I mean, the fact that he was swapped for Kevin Pillar essentially should tell you something. Uh, just as a side, Kevin Pillar though, who was also non-tender. That by the was way. what I was going to say. <laughs> it's it's truly the blockbuster deal of the century when both players are non-tendered four months after they're traded for one another. Hey, Juan DePala is still in the Blue Jays organization. He had an area of over nine in the minors last year, but he's still in the organization. I feel like uh, even if he was Rule 5 eligible, he might still be in the Blue Jays organization. Is that what I'm, I'm sensing here? 100% lock. <laughs> okay. Uh, number two is Luke Melee. Now, rather hilariously, in a list of people who were just non-tendered, Luke Melee showed up, and the comment was he had some good stretches with the Blue Jays in the last three years, but was was unable to uh, have a good season in, like, 2019. I'm like, was this person paying any attention 
to Luke Mele, who logs two of the worst offensive seasons of a catcher ever all time. Yeah, the, the, his good stretches were April and May of 2018. Yeah. And the rest of it was, you know, he was terrible. Yeah. And, I mean, we had Jeff Mathis before Luke Mele. And we, we still objectively can say, with the bat, Luke Mele was terrible. Yeah. So that's not really surprising that they don't want to give him, especially with two young catchers that they want to put on the roster, with, you know, the clock's already ticking on them. Why the heck would you want to keep Luke Mele around for any more than the league minimum? Yeah. I, I mean, there was just no, there was no point. I mean, I think he had an option, so technically they could have re-signed him and sent him to the minors, but they've got catchers that they want to catch in AAA too. So, yeah, I mean, they've got McGuire and Jansen, so it was time for Mele to go. Number three, Jason Adam. This was the really weird one because Jason Adam was not eligible for arbitration. So he was legal. They just cut him. <laughs> yeah. They just straight up cut him. And I don't really get it. Um, you know, he's got, he was okay last year. I mean, his ERA was great 2.91 in 21 innings, 23 appearances. His control was not great. He didn't strike out a ton of guys, but he's a high spin rate guy with a good breaking ball and i'm surprised that this happened uh because there's no there's no harm in cutting him later because you know he's not going to make any money but i don't know i mean there must be a reason that it happened whether whether it's a clubhouse thing or something or just straight up they knew he was going to be the next guy cut and they and they have moves that they're going to be making soon and you know it's just like why wait i just feel like the waiting is you know uh, we should have heard something by now, but who knows? Yeah, well, that would allude to the tagline for this <laughs> the episode of this podcast. But <laughs> yeah, but Jason Adams, Jason Adam, you know, he's twenty eight. He's again a fungible right-handed middle reliever, and losing it's not weird that they that he's gone. Like I, I don't think that's odd. Just strange that he was non-tendered when he wasn't even eligible for arbitration yet. So Blue Jays did pony up a contract to a couple of guys. Uh, one of which uh, we have talked about, I feel like, ad nauseum on this podcast is Brandon Drury. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Brandon Drury, he was like, he was objectively terrible. And, you know, that's that's pretty much it. what it is. I mean, he has been good in the past. So I get why the team was willing to keep him even a lot of people are like why would they tender him a contract i think in his case it's and well actually uh, you know i hope shy doesn't repeat this later because we have not done the interview yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh when they just spoke with ross atkins he basically said that brandon jury has to show something in spring training or they'll just cut him and just pay out the one sixth or one quarter of his salary that they owe and this makes logical sense to me because although he may have been good in the past it was not the recent past and it was certainly not his blue jays past so, like, now how many times did we answer the question last season, why is Brandon Drury still on this team? From I mean, it our, came up a few times. From our esteemed <laughs> listeners. Like, if I if I had the wherewithal to go through archives, I would just pull all of those up um, in a row. But I, I have not the wherewithal. All right. Blue Jays also handed out a contract to Anthony Bass. Yes. Uh, he was the guy they claimed off waivers. But a couple weeks ago, I mean, we had this on our last podcast. And... You know, solid reliever with the, was was with the Mariners, and you know they basically he was a tender guy. He was arbitration eligible. They just avoided it, gave him one point five million dollars, which technically was below his projection of one point seven. So they probably they came to a deal that you know that would work, and was just to avoid all of that nonsense right now, and just got it done. Which uh, you know, if that's a bellwether for the way the Blue Jays are planning on going to the rest of the offseason, I guess I'm okay with that. Yeah, get, I, I agree. Get with that. Something I mean, done. <laughs> If you can get it done, get it done. <laughs> you know? uh, all right. Is is there any name that you are are looking at on that list of non-tendered candidates? Because something like 40 players were non-tendered. I mean, Kevin Pilar ain't coming back. Uh, but is there someone who you think the Blue Jays might have a passing interest in? Yeah. Uh, and also Aaron Sanchez was non-tendered as well. He's yeah. also not coming back. Um, um, curious as to, sorry, your take on if if the Astros were intent on getting him as they were at the time that they did 
was it because of injury that they non-tendered him or yeah well, he's he had shoulder surgery he's not even gonna start the season oh, healthy, shoulder so. i missed the shoulder surgery yeah so so he's gonna be out for a while i mean they, who know they don't even know when he'll be back if at all during the year i mean the expectation is probably the middle of the season but there's no sense in tendering him a contract right that makes more sense all right yeah um so there's actually a few guys the first one is travis shaw who as recently as 2018 was really really good uh it was kind of a surprise that the brewers non-tendered him because they also got rid of aguilar and thames but i mean he had 30 home runs in each of 2017 and 18 and had ops's over 800 he could play third he could play second he could play first and of course it's important he's the son of a former big leaguer yeah i think that's really probably the key metric for the blue jays <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> the Blue Jays have two types: sons of former big big leaguers and guys who uh, hit for some power and strike out too much. And so, don't walk very much. Yeah, and don't walk a lot. So if you can find the son of a former big leaguer uh, who does that, or maybe the grandson of a former big leaguer, like like the third generation big leaguer who strikes out too much, doesn't walk, and has a bit of pop, I think he the Blue Jays just sign him for life. I agree. <laughs> anyway, his father is Jeff Shaw, who was one of the best relievers in the late 90s. But, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that would really fit in. Obviously, the Jays need a new first baseman. They could use some more left-handed power or just a left-handed bat, period. And, you know, he fits. He doesn't hit righty or hit lefties at all. <clears throat> Sorry. Which is not great, but he walks. So, hooray. Yeah, yeah. They're, and, they're out on him now. I just heard that. <laughs> No, but he's son of a big leaguer, so we're good. Oh, okay. We're, um, yeah, we're back in. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's just a couple pitchers. You know, Taewon Walker, who, you know, was recovering from Tommy John surgery. He was, you know, quite well regarded a couple of years ago. And Blake Trinan, I, I wouldn't give Trinan much, but because he was amazing two years ago, but he's a reliever. And when relievers go, they don't usually get it back. But, you know, most guys that are non-tendered, there's not usually much that you're going to be interested in. What about Steven but, Sousa Jr.? Just throw that yeah. Out. I think he's another one of those exact same guys. I, I, I just. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I would have said Tyler Anderson, but he resigned with the Giants already. So there's not many. Maybe CJ Crone, you know, is another first base bat, but he's another right handed bat. So I expect they'll go for another lefty. But so those like Crone, Shaw and Walker are probably the guys I'd be most interested in. Maybe Jimmy Nelson on minor league deal. All right. Now, some teams are actually doing things. Uh, the Phillies, after the big splash last year with everyone's favorite national, who promised he was going to bring the Nationals to the World Series and did somehow, uh, the Phillies are re-upping with Zach Wheeler for over, what, $118 million or something over five years? That is the exact amount, yes. My goodness, I don't even have a cheat sheet. <laughs> that's That's good money for a guy who... Is has been good generally, but I had a had a a third of a season that was way better than his first two thirds. Yeah, and you know Zach Wheeler, you know by like F Fangraphs WAR, he's been one of the top ten pitchers the last couple of years. Which you know, stupid FIP, but um, <laughs> he like, he's a guy that you're getting him not for what he's done, but what he will do. It's kind of a thing. He'd been injured. He's been healthy now. He's shown extreme talent, and, and people are thinking just like if they maybe tweak his pitch mix, he could be the guy that becomes a true front-of-the-rotation pitcher, which is why he got paid like that. I mean, he he got five years, $118 million off of two pretty good seasons, and that's a lot of risk, and I actually get why the Jays didn't do this. I mean, I really wanted them to sign Zach Wheeler. He was my favorite non-Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg target of theirs. And, But, I mean, apparently he turned down a bigger deal from the White Sox, so the Jays probably would have had to go to six years, $140, $150 million on him. And you know, there's a lot of risk with Zach Wheeler. Like if that's where you're going to throw all your budget and money for the next couple of years, I get not doing it on him. I just don't get why that has to be all your budget. Well, yeah, for the, you know it's, I mean. well, for now it's not. But like for three, four years down the road when there's all these guys getting expensive, if you still have them for another two years at $25 million a year, it becomes more of a problem. And again, I this is a philosophical argument that we, we probably are going to have on and off for the next two or three years. But yes, but knowing that Rogers gives yeah, them budgets, <laughs> yeah, knowing knowing what the sad reality of of having a 
uh, a marketing department that will regularly trot out that a whole country follows this team and then immediately uh, turtle up into its shell when asked to spend up to the luxury tax. One one could have a long discussion about that, that, uh, you know, since they haven't actually spent any money yet, we don't need to have at this time. <laughs> right, exactly. But... Yeah, but again, so this got to a point where Zach Wheeler, it's like, I don't know if that's a reasonable contract to give Zach Wheeler. So I'm okay with walking away from that if and only if. Good. I like where this they, is going. <laughs> they get Hyunjin Ryu or lesser extent Dallas Keuchel or obviously Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg, which aren't going to happen. You know, if they get another one of these upper echelon guys and another guy, I don't care what level the other guy is, then I'm okay with walking away from whatever dollar figure you walk away from. But if you're just walking away from the entire group of pitchers because they exceeded your valuation, then you've done something wrong. I think you've misjudged the market is what you've done at that point. Right? The, the, you have a need. And you can't say, well, you know, our, our need is limited to, to this X dollar if the market is Y dollars. You... You, you need to try and win ball games, And if that means that you're, you know, five to $10 million a year more for, for the guy that you do get, you still need to get the guy. Like he's not going to appear out of thin air in your minor league system. And you need front of the rotation guys to take this team somewhere. I, I totally agree. Um, now, what, for what it's worth, you know, Ryu is a guy that always seemed to make maybe a bit more sense. No qualifying offer. He's a Boras client, so he's just going to take the most money. <laughs> and he's I really would love good. To be, I would love to be a fly on the wall with those conversations with, with Boras sitting in the room. Well, I've looked at these two offers, uh, Scott, and, you know, I'm thinking that I really enjoy the weather, and he goes, no, no, no. We, I explained this to you when you signed the documents. <laughs> it's the one with the bigger number beside it. Please sign. <laughs> yeah. Now, and also, but with Ryu specifically, I think it behooves him to take the biggest contract he can get because he's 33, so he's not, he's not young. Yeah, he's, he's, and he, he's not going to cash out twice. And he's also had injury problems, so it's not like he can take a short deal and then come back on the market if he's, you know, it's it's just way too risky, which is why he took the qualifying offer last year, because it's just, you know, he'd coming off an injury-prone season, and he's, he was getting not getting the offers. It's like, uh, I need to go try to do this at least one more time. But the odds of doing it another time are just not with him. No. But yeah. So... So, you know, like he would make a ton of sense. And, you know, John Heyman saying the Jays are among the teams in on him and he's a Boras client. So, you know, John Heyman's getting that right from Boras. <laughs> <laughs> You're not bitter about that at all. It's not even bitter. It's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> John Heyman does do this. I mean, we've had an agent on here confirm it. <laughs> yeah. Scott Boras, PR department, uh, you know, uh, what should we call it? Satellite office, John Heyman's yes, driver's seat. But yeah. But anyway, so getting one of these guys is the only way it's okay with me for not getting the other ones, essentially. All right. So that's piece number one, because <clears throat> we were going to go into General J's sort of their whole free agent strategy as we see it. So a good strategy involves um, doing whatever you need to do. If you're not going to be in on Zach Wheeler or Garrett Cole, you need to be solid on one of those other two basically two guys at this point is it not yeah because i don't think they're going to get Bumgarner. i think for there's just a general belief that Bumgarner will 100 percent go to a winner it would be nice if the blue jays could demonstrate winnability shorter term rather than longer term but that's a whole other follow-up go get garrett cole then i bet Bumgarner comes on real fast yeah exactly uh, it's uh you gotta like tag team the whole free agent market that's the idea yeah before you get to the other strategy i just want to quickly address the garrett cole thing that could have been like, in the other strategy, but you just don't seem to believe they're in on him. Well, if, would you like to? Is is that in the other strategy you're talking about? Uh, well, I know I know they're not really in on him. I but to me, it's it's if you're not in on Garrett Cole now, when are you going to be in on the one number one starter in the market? Whoever he is, whatever year, right? You're you're in theory only one year away from competitiveness if all of your young players are maturing at the rate that you seem to promise. So you pay for one year of 
the number one starter on the market to not be leading you to a championship in order to have him for four to five more years of theoretically leading you into the playoff. You wait till next year and, and to even shoot your shot. And now, okay, why did you throw away that one? Maybe you don't get that shot at all. Maybe somebody else is way ahead of you because they're more competitive next year. Well, and to take that even further, for the, the free agent class next year sucks. So that guy's not even going to be there. The best pitcher is James Paxton, who is good, but not Garrett Cole. Um, but also, there's two other considerations. One, you sign Garrett Cole when you're not spending much money to begin with and you can easily afford him. He, You sign Garrett Cole, your season tickets will shoot up instantly. You'll probably sell an extra, what, 5,000 season tickets overnight? Sure. And so part of that will get paid for anyway. But also, this is something that I just sort of threw out there on Twitter as a basic hypothetical. The Yankees are making a full press for Garrett Cole. Is there not also a financial benefit to getting him even if it's $50 million more than you wanted to pay to giving that to him, to keep him away from the Yankees, because if the Jays have this view that like the fans will come back when they're competitive, which the market has shown that, but I think that's still risky to just assume it. But anyway, if the Yankees get Garrett Cole, you ain't going to be competitive that much. I agree completely with, with the following parallel. If people don't quite get what we're talking about. What was the best part about having left-handed ace David Price on the Blue Jays during the stretch in 2015? That he wasn't on the Yankees? Not having to figure out how to beat David Price, left-handed ace, for two months. Yeah, and so, but just with this thought, like, if you do this, then financially it helps you because you'll be competitive sooner and you'll be making more money. So I actually think that there's a financial argument for signing him as opposed to just a team argument for signing him. Yeah. And that goes for keeping, you know, if they could have kept Chris Sale off of the Red Sox or et cetera, et cetera, any of those things, because you face the team 19 times, and they face all the other division opponents so many times with an ace pitcher. Yeah, it, it, it knowing you're taking that away from a division rival is exactly what you said. A big financial benefit to you because you get better by making someone who you have to face all the time worse. Yeah, so. Well, we got this thing figured out. Sign me a check. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not going to happen which is the annoying part like there's so many reasons for it to happen but you know I, I, it's just it's too bad because they rogers i don't know if it's rogers i don't know if it's shapiro i, I don't know the answer to these questions but it's it's too bad that this is the kind of move which now is the time where it would make so much sense to do it is not going to happen yeah, because I think the Blue Jays continue to try and be a little bit cute about getting good value out of their payroll. And it's like, you know what's good value out of your payroll? Winning the bloody World Series. <laughs> That's the only time you get 100% value is when you win the whole darn thing. Because then people buy the next season season tickets without hesitation. Even if the team looks like it's going to get worse, people don't think like that, right? People are like, wow, this team just won the World Series. I got to go watch them. Anyway, so in the real yeah. world, this is what I want to talk about. So in the real world, the strategy is make, from our angle, make sure you're in on that second tier target of Keiko or uh, Ryu. How do you manage the rest of the roster in, in your realistic approach to that other holes that you have? Well, specifically when it comes to the pitching, we've, we've been saying all along that they need to get two guys. You know, they've got Shoemaker back and Anderson, and then there's like, you know, the mishmash of guys that can fill the last spot, Baraki, Kay, Thornton, Wagusback, Zoik, Hatch. Like all those guys can fill in. But they really should get two. And to me, that second guy should not be Wade Miley or Tanner Rourke or Rick Porcello. It should be a guy who has enough upside to be part of 
a 2021 winner or a 2022 winner. And if not, if they're not good, you can just cut them or just release them. Like they're apparently talking to Josh Lindblom, who was over in Korea and pitched really well there. And, you know, he, he might've figured something out. He was a former top prospect who just was okay as a reliever, but never did it as a starter. Michael Pineda, Alex Wood, these guys who have shown the ability to be very good, but for whatever reason, they're available on a cheaper deal right now. That should be who they're targeting with the second guy, not these guys that are just innings eaters. Because if you do that, you may as well just use your young guys and let them pitch in the bigs. I follow you. All right. So, but as for positions, you know, they need a center fielder. They need a first <laughs> baseman. <laughs> Off we go to market. Okay. Uh, before we go to the questions, we did want to touch on the front office departures because those are always kind of a long-term consideration, I think that affects things uh ben charrington who you know was with the blue jays for was it two years i feel like it was only two years former red sox gm um i was kind of surprised when he came to the blue jays myself but that was cool he's off again yep he's been hired away by the pittsburgh pirates and it was always a matter of time with him you know he interviewed for other gm jobs and he essentially turned them down because and actually he was here for three years but uh he he wanted a team where he could build it up and have a general control of what he was doing. And so like when he interviewed for Baltimore, well, it was <laughs> Peter Angelos, right? So he did, he didn't even accept an offer. Whether he took an where they offered him or not, he withdrew his name, as did Tony LaCava, by the way. Tony LaCava was also up for this Pirates gig. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Charrington was hired, and it makes total sense because that team sucks, and he can build him up from the ground and it's, it's perfect for what he wants to do and what his strength has been helping the blue jays and what he did in boston so you know it's good for him and it's bad for the blue jays <laughs> uh steve sanders with whom i am less familiar yeah he was the scouting director and that's big loss mm-hmm. he, he was you know he was the guy who he actually came over from boston and he had worked with charrington there so when as soon as charrington took the job in pittsburgh it, a lot of speculation was that sanders would be hired away but still, it's a loss. I mean, the Blue Jays have the number five pick in the draft, so that's not the time to be trying to search for a scouting director. So they're going to want to fill that quickly. And he's done a good job. I mean, if you look at what they've done and getting Jordan Groshans, a guy who no one no one saw coming at that pick, who's been just incredible in pro ball, and, you know, getting Nate Pearson with the 28th pick in the draft. I mean, he's done some really good things at the top of the draft. So they'll definitely have to find someone to, to kind of keep that going. All right. So I said to get to your questions. Of course, there's an interview before the questions. So maybe we should do that first. <laughs> you just keep wanting doing the questions before the interviews. I, I know the public. What they want is to hear their own voice uh, in my words. No, their own words in my <laughs> voice uh, read out loud, really. But first, Shai Davidi of Sportsnet is going to talk to us about maybe something happening at the winter meeting. We'll be right back with him. And we are pleased, as always, to be joined by Shai Davidi of Sportsnet on Artificial Turf Wars. How uh, is it going over at Sportsnet, sir? Very well. It's been a bit of a slow off-season on the Blue Jays' front, obviously, but it's been an interesting one nonetheless. And, you know, the winter meetings are coming up, and I would expect it to, to get a little bit more interesting. But uh, the, the pace, uh, the way things have gone so far, you, you never really know. So th- there's a lot of things that we get from the general manager and from uh, the team president and all that stuff that, that we we kind of have to decode this year. So we're just sort of going to maybe look at a few of those things and a few general thoughts with you. I- I'd like to start just with uh, something that kind of stuck out for us maybe was when, when he was, uh, I think it was Atkins was asked about starting rotation, about who was penciled in um, Shoemaker uh and and Barucky were were penciled in because pencils have erasers um shoemaker especially you would kind of think uh he wouldn't have to do too much to stay in the rotation but that seems like a strange comment to make yeah it was actually i asked ross that specific question i said are you penciling shoemaker in the rotation and he made that comment he said yeah and uh 
pencils have erasers. And <laughs> I thought that was intriguing. But there is uh, no permanence whatsoever. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the Blue Jays and Shoemaker have been talking contracts in September. And, uh, you know, I would, I, the sense I'd had is that the sides were going to figure out a way to have a deal uh, because there was a bit of a reluctance to enter into the arbitration process because there's no definitive comp for Matt Shoemaker, so it makes the, the ruling possibly a bit volatile there. Uh, but, you know, the, the Blue Jays can terminate an arbitration contract because uh, it's not guaranteed, um, you know, at, at a certain number of days of, days of pay, depending when they do it in spring training. So they have control over Matt Shoemaker. There's no guarantees to him. And if they can find some other alternatives that appeal to them more than Shoemaker, or if they don't like the way Shoemaker stuff looks during spring training, uh, they can bounce him. And I think that's why Ross Atkins made that comment. And it speaks a little bit to some of the uncertainty that the Blue Jays still feel about Matt Shoemaker uh, and also some of their ongoing hope that they may create enough options that Matt Shoemaker could potentially be bumped from the rotation. And that's sort of, I mean, something I imagine would surprise a lot of people just based on how well he started the season last year. Now, obviously, it was only five starts, I think. But does does that make it sound like say they go and get two pitchers that they might want to throw one of their young guys in above him or that they might be trying to get more than we think they're trying to get. Well, I think they're start there. I mean, I mean, who knows what the, the number of guys that have started coming off the board and none of them coming to, to the blue Jays. Uh, maybe, maybe the number's changing, but I, I, I still believe they are looking to get three starters and, you know, that would give them, you know, uh, three guys plus Chase Anderson plus potentially uh, either Matt Shoemaker or Ryan Barucki or Trent Thornton. Uh, that, I think, still is the dream scenario for them. Um, but, you know, the the entire saga, if we can call it that, might be a bit dramatic, <laughs> with Shoemaker it is a little bit unusual because, you know, the, the two sides, I mean, Matt Shoemaker was clear that he wanted to come back to Toronto. He wanted to stay in Toronto. He was ready to commit here for, for longer than a year. Uh, he clearly performed well in that one month, and that's a, a small sample size and subject to all the vagaries that, that come with small sample sizes and the randomness that strikes small sample sizes. But there, there's, you know, a, a, say a one-year guarantee of $3.5 million. That's not... That's not a big number. It certainly could work for the Blue Jays. And if the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays had said that they wanted to bring him back, and if you do want to bring him back, it seems a bit of a strange way to to treat someone that you want back. It's a bit unusual, um, especially for someone who was who was a pro who made efforts to come back, even though his season was over, and be a part of things and try to participate in the clubhouse and be a good presence. Uh, it's it's just unusual to me, and so. You know, I think that it, it's largely a byproduct. The Blue Jays like to create as many options for themselves as they can, and uh, certainly here they've managed to create an option for themselves. So, obviously, we'll deal in the fantasy land later of the guys that they're not going to get, but perhaps we should start off with the, the more concrete, um, you know, things. Like you said, a bunch of guys that come off the board. Zach Wheeler, who was kind of a, uh, you know, a high possible target is 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 not there um so right now the names we talked about you know between josh and i um prior to this interview were were of course ryu and keichel if if one of those guys does not come to the blue jays is that a a big miss on the part of this front office it's a good question i think it ultimately depends on how you value those two guys right and my my guess is that the Blue Jays like both of them. They probably like them less at, say, three or four years, which is what it may require to get one of them to come here. And at that point, you start having the debate. You know, does does that make sense? Is that what you want to do? Now, you know, I think there's a little bit more reliability uh, with with Keuchel. I mean, he's been he's been quite durable. You know, the, there are the obvious questions that have followed him around in terms of his stuff and, and what might happen as that continues to decline uh, in the coming years as he gets older. But 
I think you, you, you'd feel fairly safe in thinking that he's going to be able to post for you every day, and, and certainly there's a value in, and a necessity for that with the Blue Jays. Uh, Ryu, on the other hand, offers you a bit more upside, but you know the, there's, there's a little bit more volatility there. And are you going to be comfortable with that? Uh, so is it a big miss? I mean, it's a big miss if they they don't end up with anybody or, or they're, they, they end up with, with a bunch of guys who are further down the food chain and there there's no possibility or it's not someone that you're excited about having in your rotation for 2021 and beyond when the competitive window is open. And I think that's the challenge that the Blue Jays are facing right now. That's the concern is that, you know, you went into this offseason thinking, okay, well, they're going to try to put some pieces into place so that all the heavy lifting in terms of pushing the young core forward next year when you really think your competitive window is open uh, doesn't happen at once. Uh, and so far, nothing's happened. They haven't added at all to to this team, save for, you know, a, a Chase Anderson stopgap. And I think if you're sort of looking at how is how are they going to take this talented young core and really leverage that in the year to come, I mean, we haven't seen that at all just yet. Yeah, and that's sort of the interesting thing. I mean, guys like Tanner Roark, we, we we talked about this on our when we were doing this with our part beforehand, Tanner Roark, Wade Miley, those guys are not, there's no point to them essentially because they're not going to be good when you're ready to be good. So I guess that sort of, begs the question like if you're not as excited about Ryu or Wheeler I, I personally like Ryu quite a bit but again this is the Blue Jays we're talking about why not why why would they not have gone really aggressively after Jake Odorizzi or even Cole and Strasburg I mean Wheeler may have gone beyond their comfort level but why not push to that level if you're not excited about these guys behind because next year's free agent class is much worse right but I think with, with Cole and Strasburg like you're talking about elite 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 guys and they want to go to a place that's going to win like you i mean i'm trying to just comprehend what type of dollar figure you'd have to buy offer those guys to buy them out of going to the yankees or the angels or some other prime destination to join a rebuilding team with one pitcher in the starting rotation (laughs) uh trying to overcome the yankees red sox and rays um, and there's no guarantees of who else may be joining you. I mean, I just I understand the principle of like, hey, let's go get Cole, let's go get Strasburg, but it is just it's just completely not realistic for a team in their position right now. Um, Wheeler's maybe a little bit more realistic, but ultimately he made a, a decision based on geography, or at least in part on geography, uh, for his family and. I think that one's interesting uh, to me, and uh, you know, I feel like I've been beating a bit of a dead horse with this one. But Odorizzi would have come here, and they wouldn't have had to struggle with that one. They wouldn't. It wouldn't have had to have been. Uh, well, I guess this is a matter of perspective, but it wouldn't have had to have been a massive overpay. They had an in because of his history with Charlie Montoya with the Rays. I mean, this is a guy who's pitched in the American League East. I understand that you know people look at him as a five or six inning pitcher because that's pretty much what he's been uh you know i think uh, looking it up i think it was only five times he went beyond six innings last year or something along those lines but at the same time the dude posts he's consistent he's pitched in the division and you can get him and sometimes you know the what you what you have to spend and who you end up targeting is a matter of also who you can get and you know older rizzi Getting him early, they would have been, they would have done that coming right out of the GM meetings uh, just before the QO offer deadline. Uh, it would have given them a bit more credibility in the marketplace. I think other guys would have looked at them different if they'd gotten that one. Uh, it really would have changed the trajectory of their offseason. Uh, it would have been a significant spend, but you know that's sort of the price of admission at this point. And the Blue Jays uh, didn't do it, and you know they they'd hoped that they could get Kyle Gibson. That didn't happen, and. Uh, you know, they they had some interest in Wheeler. You know, were they willing to go five a hundred? I'm that I don't know for a fact. But you know, they were there and they were participating, and I guess that's good. But you know, the, the, you're not playing for a participation medal at this point, right? You, you you need some dudes in the rotation, and you need somebody who's going to be there. And you know, I think that's that's sort of the situation right now. And I think if you're looking at it, you're just kind of like what's next uh, that's really the troubling the troubling thing right now 
Well, you you alluded to that sort of well, we've been we've been participating with everybody. And I think the fan base, if I had to speak for them, is a little bit confused about how you can do so much uh participating and uh understanding and uh, you know, and developing and checking in with before I it gets I'm confused as to who are they actually focused on if all of these names so far have dropped off the board and we haven't really seen the Blue Jays tied hard to any... I mean, I've heard their name with Wheeler, to be fair, but other than that, uh, who are they actually talking to? Is there any sense of that from the front office? I mean, I think that they're essentially talking to everybody, like, especially, like, there's a big group they had, they had... I mean, the way that they work is that they put together a, a pref list, you know, of, of order of, like, the guys that they'd want to get, and then they have different scenarios for how things play out. And so we'll try to do this, and if that doesn't work, then we'll try to do this, and if that doesn't work, then we'll try to do this and this and this. Uh, and so they, they sort of map things out, and plans are great um, until, you know, what's that, what's that saying? You know, it's great to have a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> um, you know, the off season starts and yeah, or, you know, the valuations may be going a different way and the market's telling you whatever, or player X, you know, his wife wants to go to a specific spot and player Y is like, Oh, I can't bring my guns across the border. I'm out. You know, I think like, you know, that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff happens. And so, you know, I, I talked to JP Ricciardi earlier today, uh, just about how he went about getting AJ Burnett and B.J. Ryan, I'm going to be writing that for, for Sportsnet um, a bit later. But, you know, it was interesting. He said, you know, we figured these were the guys that we wanted to get, and we were going to chase the people we had the most conviction over, and we knew that we were going to have to overpay in both years and dollars. Uh, so we made sure that we really, really liked the guys. We thought we felt good about our evaluations, and then we just went all out and were relentless in trying to get those guys. Um, and you know, maybe that's maybe that's something that uh, I mean would have worked, or maybe might have changed some things differently here. And uh, you know, I, I do think the Blue Jays have been aggressive. I do think they've been trying, uh, but for whatever reason, whether it's dollars, whether it's situation, whether it's uh, where the team's at or whatever, you know, they, they keep getting doors closed in their face. And, you know, if you're a fan, you're pretty frustrated. And imagine if you're in the Blue Jays front office, you're pretty frustrated too. Uh, one sort of last, just, do you think that a trade becomes more likely as this, you know, a, a, as a, a way of overcoming some of those objections or obstacles um, even if it means giving up potentially one or two of those young pieces to to get some other, you know, more appropriate uh, pieces slotted in where they have holes. Sure. Uh, you know, I think that if the ideal scenario for the Blue Jays is that they can find a, a challenge sort of trade where it's like, oh, I'm trading you, uh, you know, young player X for young player Y and they're similar uh, Ter uh, positions of con of contractual control, you know that's sort of, that's the ideal, but that's not always there. Um, you know the the Brewers and the Padres pulled off that kind of a trade, but um, it wasn't. Uh, you know the the Blue Jays didn't have kind of the pieces that would would have aligned in, in that trade to to get involved in, in something like that. Um, I thought it was interesting to hear Ross Atkins say uh, on Wednesday that you know based on where they are, they find it tough to give up the kind of young players that teams want for an established player with, you know, a year or two of contractual control. And I thought that was, he said, he made it clear that that doesn't mean that we're not going to do it, but you know, that's, that's very difficult for us. And essentially that was like, we're not, we're not doing that. And so are there going to be opportunities in the trade market? I'm, I'm sure eventually, you know, I think they, They'd certainly have the opportunity to try and maybe take somebody's bad money contract uh, if they don't succeed on the free agent front and, you know, try to get a prospect that way or just to get a piece for a team looking for some salary relief that can contribute in 2020 and, and make the team more presentable than it was in 2019. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think the, the, the piece that everybody's hoping for is going to come in trade in all likelihood. Um, unless 
unless that scenario for a challenge type of trade does emerge. And, and right now, I, I don't know that it's there. All right, that's a lot to chew on, I think. Uh, so mm-hmm. we, we are approaching the GM meetings and the Blue Jays. Winter have, meetings. Sorry, uh, yeah, winter meetings and the walls are closing in, maybe. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, but like, you know, uh, there's still a lot of guys out there, and yeah. that plays in their favor. It just may not be the the type of high impact off season that would have been the ideal, you know. Instead of like, you know, there was a scenario at the beginning. You're thinking, okay, well, well this is what a home run off season looks like, and then it's like, okay, this is a triple off season, this is a double off season, and maybe it's a single and a walk type of off season, you know. I mean. I, I, there's still a long time to go, still a lot of names on the board. So, you know, I don't want to jump to conclusions, but, you know, the way things have gone so far, I mean, nothing's gone to plan. And on top of that, they lost, you know, one of their top player development voices in Ben Sherrington, the Pirates. And then he brought over their amateur scouting director who uh, was going to be in charge of the number five overall selection in the next draft. So, you know, just just sprinkle that on top of everything else. And, you know, it's quite the to-do list. All right, folks, if you want to hear more about uh, the Blue Jays organization in maybe a little bit of flux right now uh, and and what's going to happen with that and maybe what J.P. Ricciardi would have done had he not needed to lie and as long as he knew the truth about this offseason, uh, watch for uh, shy stuff on sportsnet.ca and, uh, of course, Sportsnet itself. Thank you once again for joining us, sir. My pleasure, guys. All right, have a good night. No problem. I hope I don't not making people go slit their wrists or anything with that. (laughs) That happened a long time ago. (laughs) And we are back after uh, Shy and and his perspective. So always good to talk to him. I think we. I feel like we do it once a year around this time. To make sure we get our requisite uh, Sportsnet personality quota. Ah, well, I mean, Shy's <laughs> pretty plugged in, and you know, like it's a big thing coming up. And obviously, we really hope that they do get some of these things done, and that there's some pitchers that show up because the team needs them. Yeah, and we have trouble getting our feet on the ground in whatever uh, exotic locale it's being held in this year. You know, I didn't ask. Are we are we back in Florida? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay, so we have questions, of course, and if we have questions, we have this uh, thing. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? All right, uh, Rob Coates, this is kind of repeating the question because he asked it a week ago and we didn't get it before we actually recorded the podcast. He said, I'm happy the Jays didn't spend on Grandall and trade Jansen or McGuire. Am I crazy to think that the money is better spent on another area of need? Well, this question presupposes there wouldn't be money for both, which there should be. I wish I, I was trying to find this while we were on our break there. I was trying to find someone tweeted at me that the the Tulowitzki's money was all put on Rogers books in 2019. Weird. And. Well, but if, if it, yeah, it is a little weird, but that, that's not how the gap works. Not usually, but it might have been Blue Jays books. So like they chose the Blue Jays might have chosen to pay it all out in their 2019 because they had budget room. I guess it's just the. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the what the accounting department would say. Well, anyway, it was it was reflected in their public records. Ah, there we are. Yeah, so like in their their shareholders, it's like there was a small loss because of buyouts to players and what and I didn't go through the whole thing, but it was reflected as first quarter or no, second quarter. No, it was first quarter 2019. So theoretically, the Blue Jays should only have like 35 million, 40 million dollars spent including arbitration eligible guys. It costs more to put dirt on the field. That's less than Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> Go sign lots of players. I mean, yes, it's nice having Jan- Jansen and Maguire. They're good. Grandel may have not been the perfect play, but they could have afforded him and their other needs. Yeah, especially if you could trade one of those guys for young pitching. Yep, which was the idea. Yeah. All right, Matt Sweeby at Blue Jay Matt. So it's two weeks later. It's always two weeks later around here. And, <laughs> and Gibson, Wheeler, and Hamels have joined Odorizzi and signed their new deal. Atkins is reported to be, quote, active and aggressive, which 
That sounds weird. Um, anyway, but this isn't translating to anyone actually signing in Toronto. When do you think the situation is likely to change? Uh, it's hard to predict when. Basically, my answer is whenever one of these guys is ready to sign the contract. I mean, I think there's been talk that, that Bumgarner will sign in the next week or so. And I think that Ryu and Keiko will probably come soon after that. I don't think they're going to be waiting on Garrett Cole and Strasburg because it's just a different stratosphere. And I feel that in general, the market's been moving, given those four names that he put out, a lot quicker than last year's market. That's for sure. Yeah, there's an interesting thing that uh, that was mentioned. Brandon Kuhn tweeted this out, and I totally agree with this. Part of what we've seen with the terrible markets the last couple of years has been because nobody's been trying. Well, of all these teams that were rebuilding, a few of them are coming out of their rebuilds now. The Jays included, but you have the Twins who made the playoffs. You have the you have the Angels who are going after hard after Garrett Cole. You have the White Sox pushing. You have the Reds pushing. All of a sudden, there's a push for these players because all these teams want to fill their holes in free agency, and that makes the market move, which is nice. Yeah, and I mean, in theory, it should also make the wages go up. So we'll see. And it, well, it is so far. Yeah, I mean, so Mike Mustakis got Mike Mustakis, who couldn't get a two year deal the last two years, got four years, sixty four million. So. It, the market has been pretty elevated. All the deals that have come in, except for Gibson's, actually, have been higher than what you'd have thought. We, we've seen that in the early market in previous years, though. I remember Jonathan Papelbon uh, a few years ago signed that ridiculous contract with uh, the Phillies. The Phillies, and then by the end of that free agent season, they were you know the same quality reliever was getting like three million dollars a year. And we were like, well, yeah, Ryan yeah. Madsen got one year eight million. <laughs> This is when Ryan Madsen was good, not the yeah. guy who always gave up playoff home runs to the Blue Jays. But uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see if that continues. The next question from Brian A. at BJ Arsenal 84. What would you do if you were in charge of a promotion night for the Jays? Um, I suppose sharp object giveaway night would be a bad idea. Um, yeah, you would be fired immediately. <laughs> maybe, I didn't, maybe I didn't want this job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like I would need to to know you know maybe you could you could uh you see when they sign Garrett Cole surely that there is a bag of coal tie in um hey, they have AJ Cole Oh okay bag of coal <laughs> he gets called up <laughs> Cole and Cole uh, I I wish I was as creative as some of the people in the the promotions departments um I, Yeah they've I, actually been doing a pretty good job of it lately Yeah I mean, the, the problem is if you look at tenured Blue Jays right now, like Teoscar Hernandez is one of the longest tenured Blue Jays. So you I think got, he's the longest tenured Blue Jay. Well, in terms of like consistent, well, actually, no, he got caught sent down. I think Alfred actually was has the earliest activation time of any Blue Jay, and he's got like sixty total games. Yeah, so no, I mean, sixty total plate appearances. You don't have a lot to draw on here for personality wise. I think is what we're trying to say. Uh, so maybe we could have a Chase uh, Anderson around the bases night. Winner wins a car. There you go. There you go. I like that one. <laughs> That's good. That's the winner. Only because you have no ideas. <laughs> yeah. That's why I always ask these questions to you because they're not my forte. <laughs> uh, which is why you get the minor league questions. Uh, Dave exactly. at Dave underscore church. What would be your unfortunate quote as GM? Like Riccardi's not a lie if we know the true or Atkins years of control. Okay, Richardis is not an unfortunate quote. That is the greatest quote in the history of baseball. To everybody except him. <laughs> True. <laughs> so is this asking, like, what, what, what would be what, my quote if I was a GM? What, what embarrassingly foot-in-your-mouth thing would you say if you were a GM? I would probably just get caught on an open mic blasting a player. <laughs> That's probably what my, I'd be like the equivalent of, of J.P. Richardi. You got another one here. It's telling you Adam Dunn doesn't like baseball for no reason. Yeah. That's I, what would happen. It would be something like that. I, I think probably I would get caught admitting uh, that we can't afford to start the service clock on that player yet. I think that would just slip out one ooh, of those times. Ooh, that, would be, that would be a bad one. <laughs> Grievance! <laughs> yeah, I feel like that... I feel like I would screw not only myself, but there would be some sort of cascade effect when I went that direction. And that would be truly my, my quote that would live in infamy. Yeah. Yeah. 
The word service clock probably should never come out of a GM's mouth. And I'd be like all over that. What else we got? Last one from Kevin Citran at Kevin Chase 4. With Wheeler off the market, who will be the subject of the next Toronto is targeting rumor mill? Um, we, we already got to this. Yeah. Ryu, right? Yeah, it's already out there. I wish it was Cole. I do. <laughs> I do too. But I would sh- should say, I really like Hyunjin Ryu. <laughs> like he, I wasn't even sure which of Wheeler or him I really wanted more. I mean, it was Wheeler, but like for a while I wasn't sure. So if they got Ryu, I would be very happy, but much happier if they got Garrett Cole. Indeed. Or Strasburg. Or Strasburg. I think, I think the fact that Strasburg uh, hasn't been as active in the, the headlines, I, I'm perfectly fine with Steven Strasburg. Well, I also think when it comes to the Blue Jays, Garrett Cole makes a lot more sense because, well, for two reasons. One, he's three years younger than Strasburg. Mm-hmm. Three or two or three. Uh, but also, he's never been hurt. So he's got this, he's an extreme superstar pitcher who's really durable and he's in his 20s. Ticks every box. Yep. <sighs> now I'm getting depressed. All right. In order to avoid, <laughs> in order to avoid depression, uh, usually at this point, we go to the most lighthearted section of everything that we do, which is the do-over section. Oops, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... So speaking of quotes, <laughs> you have yeah. a quote from the esteemed Ross Atkins. Yeah, so it, again, every now and then I have to allude to this because our do-over has sort of morphed into someone just did something really bad. Originally, it was someone <laughs> on a live mic just said something weird when it was, you know, it started with Mike Wilner saying that and Ed, Edwin, Josh Donaldson and Jose Bautista might hit 150 home runs, 140 home runs, which is crazy for three players. But this was Ross Atkins. He was talking to the media today, including Chai Davidi. And he said, quote, the Jays will continue. So he said, the, yeah, that we will. But so. We will continue doing what we've been doing to understand every opportunity across the entire market, the top of it, the middle of it, and beyond that. There's not a free agent pitcher that we haven't touched base with, and we have been aggressively trying to understand every opportunity and will continue to do that. There remains opportunity out there. And twirling, twirling. (laughs) (laughs) Twirling towards freedom. (laughs) I couldn't resist. (laughs) But, so he says the word opportunity three times in that quote. Twice he says they're doing their best to to understand every opportunity. So he said absolutely nothing. <laughs> but he repeated it. But also, yeah, and he repeated it twice. If they don't understand the opportunities, it's December. <laughs> here's, here's a clue. You have an opportunity to sign anyone who is currently a free agent. <laughs> they could make your team better. Understand you're going to have to pay them a lot of money. I don't know what else to say. I also like from the top to the, I, he didn't want, you could tell he started to like try and play out all the possibilities from, what is he, from the top to the middle. And then he realized he was going to end on like a down note by saying to the bottom of the market or something. So he had to pivot real quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mark, the top of it, the middle of it and beyond that. So if you're going in that direction, that means the bottom, right? <laughs> No, it's beyond. It's like Ben beyond Bath the and it's Beyond. The <laughs> it's it's just out there. There's a whole other third free agent dimension you don't know about, Josh. Yeah. Uh yeah. I mean, I I, I think if I was a, a GM and, and had to constantly spout the same non-committal kind of stuff all off season long, I might end up with with a quote or two like that. But that one really he compresses a lot of nothing into a short span of time. Yeah. And (laughs) like the do over is basically just, you know, think pause a second before answering and then just say like, look, we're, you know, we're talking to a lot of guys and, you know, we have a bunch of, you know, negotiations ongoing and we're hoping something resolves itself soon. Like just something like that. Yeah. Trying to understand opportunities and we are in talks with, as opposed to we've touched base with these things seem, you know, a lot less wishy-washy, right? If, if you if you were saying we've had discussions with or we've exchanged some numbers with, that would I think give you far more credibility than 
we're trying to understand the market. Yeah. All right. So, dear Ross Atkins, less wishy-washy next time you give it a go, and we will see if we can never speak of whatever it was you didn't just say again. Yeah. All righty. Um, I think that covers the, you know, very exciting offseason, like we alluded to before, so far. I will give you the opportunity to submit a final thought. Uh, <laughs> I don't really have one. Um, it's okay. You don't. <clears throat> okay, okay. <laughs> We've said they're not going to do it over and over again. Tiny, tiny bit of hope still that they will be in heavily on Garrett <laughs> It's not gone completely. <laughs> I don't know why. Like all, all the rational parts of my brain are telling me that that's not going to happen. But there's this weird part that just won't listen. It sounds just like Jesse Jackson doing a speech going, keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. Uh, I would uh, say to you who are not particularly engaged in the free agent market, a friendly reminder that uh, uh, not Mr. Tibbs, Ryan Thibodeau, has begun his annual Hall of Fame tally. Um, which you can find on the Hall of Fame tracker as each ballot uh, that he can find comes into him. Uh, We will see if Larry Walker is going to make that one final leap in his final regular opportunity to get into the Hall of Fame with Derek Jeter, who is obviously going in because Derek Jeter. Yeah. So that is to say... Uh, you were Josh Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and our guest was Shai Davidi of Sportsnet at Shai Davidi, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 161, and at the rate things are going, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. <laughs>